Welcome to Rise Radio with counselor and prevention expert Randy Havison. Recovery in various forms is something that many of us face every day. Most of us need some sort of intervention to start the process of rebuilding and reconnecting our lives. This program serves to empower you to find new ways of solving old problems. Now, here is your host, Randy Havison. Good morning. This is Randy Havison with Rise Radio, and it is an honor to be here again with all of you. Um, I am really excited about this show today. And one of the things that I want to say, you know, when I get the numbers every week about this show, uh, it, I'm always just so excited about the number of people that we have from all around the world. So I just want to welcome all of you. Uh, from wherever you're from. Thank you for tuning in. And again, as always, if there's anything that you would like to hear more of, less of, have any comments, questions, you can go to riseradioshow.com. There's a box there for you to make your comments and questions. I'd love to hear your feedback, so please feel free to do that. And and as always, uh, if you have uh, something exciting you'd like to share with our audience, I would love to have you on as a guest. And in fact, our guest today came to us from one of those shout outs. I put an email out to uh, people that I met at conferences throughout the last few years. And I put an email out and said, hey, if any of you have any great programs out there that you want to share with our listeners, love to have you on. And I got an email back from Philip. And as a result of that email, he is here with us today. So let's get right to this. I am, I'm When he wrote his email, uh, telling me what he was doing there on his campus, I my first thought was, I have got to get him on. So here we are today. So let me tell you a little bit about Philip. Uh, Philip Holmes is a dynamic leader who has a passion for working with students. He's currently the director of housing and residence, residence, residential education at Delaware State University. Philip has over 20 years of experience within various departments of student affairs. He is a leader who leads by example, and his greatest gift to his students is his determination to hold them accountable and teach them the value of integrity. Love that. Philip, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah, and I'm yeah, and I'm glad we could give you a, a little break from the chaotic hectic, hecticness of opening up the campus again for the fall. Yes, it so. is that time of year. So yeah, all my just people remember, are out there working. I snuck away yeah. for, for this though. Cool. Well thank you. I really appreciate that. Just remember to breathe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> Exactly. So before we get to your, you know, what you're doing there at Delaware State, I want to do a little bit of background and, and let our listeners know a little bit more about it. We talked and I was able to hear more about your story and, and what got you here and very impressive. I mean, you're you're a great guy and I, I wanted to share that with the listeners. So now tell me about growing up, your, your father was police chief? was. I grew up in a little still town uh, by Pittsburgh called Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. And my mm-hmm. father was the police chief there for years. Wow. So nobody wanted to invite me to the parties when we were young. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. was it kind of like an Andy Griffith type experience? I mean, just small no, town and everyone um, knew? No. Unfortunately, um, you know, the steel mills closing kind of brought in drugs. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the the businesses went away, so it wasn't necessarily an easy upbringing, and my yeah. father definitely had to deal with that growing up, uh, as well as raising us, so, um, but hey, wow. we were better for it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm sure that taught you a lot of the grit that you have today in working with your students. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so then you go through high school. You're not invited to the parties, but what were you doing to keep <laughs> yourself busy? Uh, sports. I quickly realized I was pretty good. Um, after a while, I was pretty good at football, and um, being from Western PA, that's a, that's a hotbed for mm-hmm. athletes and for football players. Um, yeah. Just from my little town, Mike Dickus from my hometown, and Darrell Revis, Ty Law. Um, wow. You know, Tony Dorsett from back in the day. So, wow. um, getting to see those type of people succeed and knowing that they were coming from from where I was um, mm-hmm. definitely um, encouraged me. Yeah, and, uh, that's great. And I got a football scholarship to the University of Tulsa. Wonderful. And is that a D1 school? Yes. Yes, a Division One school. It was uh, definitely um, um, something that, that I liked, that it was a small enough university. It was the smallest Division One university at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yet we played Division One football. So, you know, I was playing your Oklahomas and your Florida wow. States and, and bigger schools like that. Uh, so we were kind of like the Mighty Mites down there. <laughs> <laughs> we had what success. position? We did well. That's great. And what position were you? I was in the middle. I was a nose guard, a defensive tackle. You know, I was wow. right there in the trenches. <laughs> yep, in the middle of every play. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. Yes. So I what was your college there. experience yeah. like? Say again? Tell me, tell me about your college experience. What was that like? Um, I had a great one. I, I loved it down there. I was, I was far away from home, but um, I definitely loved it. I ended up having um, some, some players down there that became family to me. Um, I enjoyed my years there. So, you know, spent about four and a half years there. That's um, mm-hmm. kind of where I was introduced to being in housing. It's kind of part of mm-hmm. why I'm in this profession now. Um, yeah, how did that I, happen? I, yeah, I, I, um, I wasn't an RA because I was a football player. I didn't have time to be an RA. Sure. But I lived in the same suite as the RA. So being that we had an athletic call, he was always having to break up, maybe break up a party or tell people to turn their music down. But he was a little guy. So he would take me with him. <laughs> so I would stand behind him as he tried to confront these different things that were going wrong in the residence hall. And uh, I quickly um, you know, grew to admire him and mm-hmm. uh, also the profession. That's great. You know, do you find, I, I find that a lot of the students who go into student affairs um, mm-hmm. are usually inspired by somebody else who's made a difference in their lives. Yes. So yeah. that's your story, too. Yeah, I would think that, you know, he, he taught me a lot being what he had to go through and uh, mm-hmm. how he, uh, we used to call him Crawdad. That was his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Crawdad well, taught me a lot that? about conflict resolution. And that's what it has ah. a lot to do with this job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you still keep in touch with him? I do. His name's John Robertson. He's in Texas. Wow. So if he's listening to this, that'd be great. But uh, we used to call him Crawdad because he was from uh, Louisiana <laughs> um, wow, originally. Yep. Is he in higher ed also? No, he actually is a trainer. He's a sports trainer, athletic trainer. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. So. That's mm-hmm. great. Okay, so you graduate high school. You do your, your football years there. And then yep. what were the next steps for you? Uh, after a short drink of coffee in, in the pros, <laughs> Uh, you know, I went and tried it, but, uh, you know, it's not for everybody. 
and yep. I went into uh, I went into coaching. I went to Quincy University in Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. I coached football there, and um, they said, "Hey, you know, you don't have a place to live. Why don't you run one of our uh, residence halls, and uh, you'll mm-hmm. have free living there?" And I was like, "You know, I didn't know too much about it, but I knew about what my experience was in college." And I said, "Sure, I could do that." And that was my introduction hmm. there. Wow. Isn't it funny how life will give us those twists and turns and put us yep. exactly where we need to be? Yep, sure enough. Yeah. So how long before you said, you know what, I want to do this full-time, coaching, athletics were great, but it's time to move on? Right. Well, it didn't take long at all because um, I enjoyed my years at the, on, on campus so much that the idea that I would actually be still living on campus and working with students that just appealed to me right away. You know, I, I loved um, influencing students and um, watching them matriculate through their, their years and, and finally walk across that stage. Um, that was just euphoric for me um, Yeah. to know that I had something to do with that. So, mm-hmm. Didn't take long at all. Oh, that's great. So then you did the RA thing for a little while, but then where'd you go from there? Yeah, it was the work that as a resident director. Um, I've been at six different universities in my sixth. Wow. So um, the five other universities kind of moving up the ranks, um, working mm-hmm. as a resident director. Um, I've worked as an academic advisor before. Um, I've worked in athletics, as I said. But mm-hmm. um, then I kind of moved up on the ranks and being assistant director and associate director. And uh, finally the director as I am today. And here you are. And how long yeah, have you yeah. been at Delaware State? I've been here uh, about eight years now. I think I just, wow. just told me about eight years now. Huh. Happy anniversary. Yeah, yeah. And the start you know, of LinkedIn, the new they year. They kind of keep you up on that stuff. They keep track of all that <laughs> <laughs> stuff for you. Yeah, they do. Isn't that funny? Know. You get those notices and it's like, oh, right, I've been here three years yeah. now. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I've been here that long, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's great. So I want to hear about this uh, program that you started. What was the beginnings of when you realized something needed to be different? It didn't take me long. I, as I got to Delaware State University and I started having the ability to make some changes, um, I was quickly noticing that um, the, the RA job for students um, was being kind of handled in, in the sense of um, – um, maybe it's a favor, you know, say, hey, you needed some money, we'll give you free housing if you work for us type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Or they were just letting anyone apply for the job and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, this was disturbing to me <laughs> because it's yeah. student leadership, you know, it's a student leadership position and it should be held highly, you know, for what, it's, what it is that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I noticed that uh, we have a large group. We have uh, <clears throat> almost 75 RAs on our campus. Wow. So um, I started to look at things like the GPA. Uh, my overall GPA at the time was only like maybe barely a two-point. Mm. Um, that disturbed me. Um, yeah. I could be a student leader and not be leading in the classroom. Um, True. So I'm looking at all those things. I'm looking at how they're acting. I'm looking at, you know, you can't have RAs that are getting judicial, you know, judicials and judicial affairs all the mm-hmm. time either. To me, it's yeah. like a, almost like a dirty cop in a sense, you know. You need to mm-hmm. enforce policy. 
um, not be breaking it. So looking at all that, um, I said, hey, we got to make some changes. Yep. And how long ago was that? Uh, I want to say about six years ago. Oh, okay. So you've ago. been doing this a while now. Yes. I'm proud of where yes. we are today. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you reached out to a lot of your colleagues and heard a lot of the same type stories going on of yes. RAs just not carrying not their weight and doing what they needed to do as RAs. Their jobs are so important. Um, yeah. We're the first line of defense. I tell them all the time, we're like the Marines almost, we're the first on the beach. You know, mm-hmm. anything that happens on our campus is usually reported from an RA. You know, mm-hmm. police are called. My people are the ones that are actually making that phone call. If a student right. needs help, you know, they're, they're going to the RA to get the help. Um, so the, and we deal with things like alcohol, fighting, drugs, um, you know, um, we, we deal with sexual assaults. There's all type of serious things that are happening on our campuses today. You cannot afford to have people that aren't properly trained and do mm-hmm. not, you know, know what to do. So right. I wanted that a the better part, brand of students. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew they're out there. Yeah. I knew they were out there. They are. And yeah. they want those positions. They just don't know how to come forward. And, right. and I really love the fact that what you learned and what you started doing was holding them accountable for mm-hmm. their behavior. And yes. that's the part that's really exciting. I, I just got word from uh, our audio guy that we need to take a short break. But when we come back, I want to hear about all the changes and, and ha- whether it was embraced or whether you were getting in trouble and what was going on in your campus and how that transition took place. Because I'm a believer also holding people accountable for their actions is key. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Philip some more about how he made this transition and turned his program into such a stellar example of what residence education is all about. So we will be right back after these messages. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. Okay, and we are back. This is Randy Havison with Rise Radio, and with us today we have Philip Holmes, who is the Director of Housing and Residential Education at Delaware State University, and he has this innovative program that is long overdue, and I wanted to hear more about when he made that transition from the way it was to the way it is and what he did to make that happen. So, Philip, I'm so glad to have you here, and I'm hoping that this show today will inspire others to start making these kind of changes on holding themselves and students accountable. Uh, so let's hear about that process that you went through. Okay, so once once we determined, at least I determined, there was a, a major problem about who was being given student leadership positions, um, I started looking around. I started benchmarking other universities to see, okay, what are the standards there? Um, most every time it came back that the standard was a 2.5 GPA. Didn't really say much more than that other than the fact they couldn't be in too much trouble. Um, so my standard of 2.5, I said, hey, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise that. I think they could do better than 2.5, you know, and I want to be able to say to them and make them proud of the position they have. So I'm always constantly saying, hey, your GPA requirements are, are bigger than most. So we, we, um, I raised that to 2.7, nice. made the job at 2.7, and uh, also they cannot have any major judicials, um, mm-hmm. which kind of at the time, the group that I had uh, told them, I said, you know, I'm giving you <laughs> So much time to get this right. Um, of course, some of them had some very low GPAs, so there was no way they could. So I know in that first year, I must have let go of 50, 60 people. Wow. Um, which caused some riff, you know. Um, sure. Caused them to go over my head to try to do things. But luckily, I had the support um, from, um, you know, the VPs and above, from the president. Said, hey, he's trying to establish something here. I mean, support is definitely um, needed. You're going to make Absolutely. those type of changes. Um, yep. And, and you had the support from the top. The president and VP were behind you. Yes, they knew what nice. I was doing, and parents were calling in. Of course, what you're doing, in, in essence, to them is taking free housing away from them, in yes. a sense. But what I tried to get them to, to focus on was that: what is this job for? We're re, we're a resource. We're the person that mm-hmm. was you know they're supposed to look up to in times mm-hmm. of trouble. Um, yep. We have to hold them accountable to be a student leader. You can't have that title and be doing the things that some of them were doing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, once you did start letting some people go, um, they quickly realized that, hey, the, the, the culture is changing. And if you're uh-huh. going to change the culture, you have to be bold enough to say, hey, I'm going to stick to this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I might get a student that comes in and applies for the job and says, I have a 2.69. And to this day, I'm proud to say I've always told them, come back. I think you're a great student, but come back when you get that 2.7. Good for you. And it makes them go back for that semester and work harder to get it up there. Um, Mm -hmm. Never have I wavered on our standards, I'm proud to say. Wow. Wow. Good for you. um, So once we got the students in... You know, now the culture, you know, is, hey, well, maybe we can still party. Maybe we can, um, we have a dry campus, so maybe we can have alcohol in our rooms. A lot of people got fired doing that. You know, I started doing mm. room checks, not only on our, everybody else, but on my own people. Mm. You know, they had to be held accountable just like everybody else was. Yep. Changed the culture there, too. It's like, hey, we've never been looked at before. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure right. they didn't like that very much. No, not not initially, not initially. No. But what I wanted to do was build again that that pride in our group. Mm-hmm. Um, now it means something. Uh, you know, our, our initials are DHRE, uh, Department of Housing and Residential Education, and it's not uncommon for me to walk on campus and hear one RA yelling to the other, you know, DHRE. You know, we're almost <laughs> a, we're a fraternity or a sorority in itself. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, because of that standards. Now, one of the things that people might think, think is, is once you started making these changes, did you get less applications for RA? Not at all. There was something that um, when, I, when I was making the changes, that's what everyone was telling me. Was that now you're not going to mm-hmm. have a pool of people to pull from. You're raising it yep. too high. But um, you know, I, kept, I kept preaching that, no, we have plenty of great students here. It's just that mm-hmm. they see what the product is now, and they don't want to be that. Yep. If I change the standards, raise them, and make it about good students, they're going to want to be a part. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what happened. Um, now, I can have, usually in the spring, I'll have maybe 15 to 16 positions that are open, and I'm getting mm-hmm. 140, 150 applications at a time. Wow. Um, and the process now is, is is almost like they have to go through a gauntlet of things to do before they can actually have the position. But they appreciate it at the end when they get there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they don't want to let and it go. And it's something they can be proud of. Yes. You know, like I said, it's almost a fraternity, a sorority, or a team of some sort that um, we preach the whole teamwork concept, and that's coming from my athletic years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, put a lot of incentives in there for them. Um, but they really appreciate that. And they, you know, RAs come back all the time almost like they're, you know, not, they're not only are they coming back to the alma mater, but they're coming back to our department to reminisce or, you know, wow. to show their kids now, um, you know, what, what they used to do. Oh, that's great. So, so let me ask you this, because I'm sure you mm-hmm. keep these records. What is the average GPA of the RAs today? proud to say, you know, you heard me say that um, when I first got there, it was a 1.9 and 1.97 or so, almost a 2, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, we have a GPA uh, of 3.24 wow. right now, and um, that's <laughs> over the whole group. So, wow. not only did I, we get better students, um, people that weren't breaking the rules, that want the job, way more people than we would ever need for the applications. But now, a 3.24 overall GPA on such a large student group, 
yeah. who, mind you, have to deal with everything that goes on on the campus. You know, they, mm-hmm. sometimes a student will knock on your door at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Yep. <laughs> is locked out. Yep. They have to deal with all mm-hmm. that. Fire alarm goes off. They're the people knocking on the doors. Um, yep. But yet they're still doing great in the classroom. And um, it's just very powerful to hear students come back, you know, or they'll, they'll even tell me why they're here. So, Mr. Holmes, I appreciate you holding us accountable. Wow. And I think that's the lesson here is that, you know, you can set the bar high and they'll achieve it, bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know? um, yeah, I, I think students be, look for those kind of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they like that. I mean, if you can hold mm-hmm. them to a greater standard, like you said, set that bar a little higher than what they're used to to mm-hmm. jumping over, they can mm-hmm. rise to that occasion. Sure enough. Yeah, no, I mean, I found that with my peer educator group, too. When I used to run peer education groups, it was the same thing. I would hold them to that same line of accountability, and it was mm-hmm. amazing how well they would do and the students that would come out of the woodwork to be a part of the program. It was awesome. Sure. Yeah, we've um, been fortunate to add a lot of things in our program. We do a lot of community service. Nice. We, uh, we, do, we do a lot of things at the Delaware Food Bank as far as making meals, and each time we go... It's that same competitive spirit that they have in getting those positions. Um, mm-hmm. We say, okay, well, what group did the most uh, food, <laughs> you know, the, put the most food packets <laughs> together? And they want to know those things. And every time they smash the record, you know, well, that's the type wow. of student we have here. Oh, you, know. you must be so proud of what you've done there. It's really more of me being proud of what they've done. Sure. I set the standard, but they did the work, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it is. I am very proud that they, um, you know, rose to the challenge quite a bit. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't going to work I, the way it was before, Randy. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it just would have continued to be a mess. And especially, could you imagine with what you're dealing with right now? Because, mm-hmm. you know, just to let the listeners know, I was talking to Philip earlier, and this is the beginning of the school year, and all these students are coming back. And it looks like they might have enrolled more people than they have beds for. Could you imagine if you were dealing with those other students in taking mm-hmm. care of this issue? That would yes. be total chaos. Sure enough, you know, and it's really good to know that, you know, as far as the different RAs and the different buildings, they got it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I saw that it was improved was that when I first got here, I was getting called in the middle of the night for everything. Mm. You know, I never could get a good night's sleep because people <laughs> were calling me constantly. Yeah. Um, when you have better people, they're going to call, they're going to send me an email and say what they did do instead of asking me what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, as you got better people yeah. now, I sleep through the night most every time. Of course, I'm going to knock on wood about tonight. But um, yeah, um, <laughs> but it's, it's always different at the beginning of the year. What's that? It's always different at the beginning of the year. <laughs> sure enough. Sure enough. Yeah. But um, we just have really good people. and uh, That's great. Yeah. So here's my question for you. I, I just saw we're going to have to take another little break. Will you be able to join us for another segment? Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. Because one of the things that I would hope would happen from this and, and what I want to help make happen is how do we let other people know what you're doing and the steps you took so that Mm. others can start doing this too. So when we come back, 
I want to tell you, you know, I want to know, are you presenting at conferences? Are you doing papers? Are you, you know, what, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And what, actually, what can I do to help you um, mm-hmm. besides with this show to get the word out about how to do programs like yours within residence life and in other departments within student affairs? So okay. when we come back, we're going to talk to Philip about some of his ideas. And as always, we invite you to call in if you have any questions or comments, uh, things that you might have done that are similar. We invite you to call in. So uh, let us know if you have any questions. And Philip, we will be right back after these messages. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. Welcome back, and I'm your host, Randy Havison, and we are here today with Philip Holmes from Delaware State University, where he is the Director of Housing and Residential Education, and we were just talking about this program that he implemented where he held his RAs and his staff accountable, uh, raised their GPA, made sure they didn't get in trouble, and uh, Mm -hmm. has really turned this around and done an incredible job with his residence life program. And what I want to know now is what are you doing to spread the word and the message and and getting it out there that, hey, if more more schools do this, we're going to be helping our students even more. So have you presented at conferences or what are you doing? I have. You know, usually yearly, um, each year I, I go to a conference. I do uh, take place in some roundtables. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've sat in some roundtables and done some presentations as well, too. On top of that, our, our professionals here, the, the resident directors, part of part of this whole change <clears throat> was holding them accountable as well. And mm-hmm. if they're going to go to a conference, I tell them you have to present. <laughs> so, oh, nice. Um, it, it, it forces them to step out of their comfort zone sometimes, too, if they don't know about speaking. And um, we've kind of gotten the word out there, and we've actually uh, done some articles. My people have done articles in, um, you know, Makuho Magazine and such. Um, but we do try mm-hmm. to spread the word. 
we're very proud of what we've done here. That's great. Now, ACUHO is the National Organization for Housing and Residence Life, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, have you gone to ACPA, the American College Personnel Association, or NASPA, the yep, uh, National those, Association yeah. of Students? You've done all those? Nice. Yes. And, and what's um, your reception? What do other people say when they hear about what you're doing there? I get a really good reception. They say, you know, hey, wow, we really got to do that, you know. <laughs> I think it's not something that I came, I'm not a genius or anything. I don't claim to be smarter than anybody else. It's just, to me, it's very simple. If you're going to have people enforcing rules, they can't be breaking them. If you're going to call yourself a leader, then you must lead by example. Um, You know, these are concepts that were, they're they're not hard. Um, But but definitely, I guess it could be hard to keep, you know, to hold people accountable uh, and stay strong in that sense. So maybe that's the only thing I, think, I got going for me is that I refuse to, to buckle when it comes to the standards here. That's it. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, it's it's that making that change and that shift, that's always the part that people fear most. Yes. And and, and they uh, think if I hold students accountable like that, I'm not going to get any applications. Or they think what's going to happen to the culture? No one's going to want to live in the dorms. So, right. you know, those are the fears. But, you know, the thing is, they're watching you be successful at this. Um, you know, I, I think we need to get the word out about what other people can do to to do that on their campuses. Because this needs to be a national standard, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I believe so. Um, again, you know, the jobs are just too important for us not to hold them accountable. You mm-hmm. know, the things that we deal with daily are they're not simple things. They're not, they're not easy things. Um, yeah. You know, um, when I first got here, I said, hey, you know, I really want you guys to have your own room. Uh, you guys need to have a place to decompress, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, trying to give them, you know, uh, you know throw them a little something <laughs> that would help them out. Um, because I understand their job is not an easy one. Um, no. Hmm? Yeah, I think the RA job is one of the most difficult. And I remember working on my campuses, the RAs were one of my favorite groups to work with because I knew they were instrumental. You know, I was the coordinator of alcohol and other drug education. And I was doing programming for students that, um, you know, were getting in trouble. You know, they had came back to their room drunk or pot in their room or something like that. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to let the RAs know that I was a safe person to come to, that I wasn't going to punish them. I was going to educate them if if people came forward. And they were amazing. And I remember at when I was at one of my campuses, uh, my first offense judicials went up 200% when I started working with the RAs. And everyone was like, oh, my God, it must not be working, 200% increased. I'm like, no, 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 it is working. Because yep. now they feel safe referring students because they know they're going to get helped and not punished. Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly and that's the right. whole thing. Yeah, providing that support is so key. And the thing that I was most proud of is, you know how some people go through the judicial system over and over and over? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the number of second offenses that came through from residence life? One. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah so if you educate yeah. them and support them, that's the key. Sure enough. Mm-hmm. We, um, that was another part of this. We had to build up our, our collaborations and our, and our relationships with other departments. Um, mm-hmm. Because we all need to be, if they're going to be a resource, they need to know everything. Um, yep. That's a part of, big part of our training is that, 
You need to know. If someone comes to you and has an alcohol problem, they start talking to you, you need to know who to go to. You mm-hmm. know, someone's saying, um, hey, I believe I was raped uh, the other night. You need to mm-hmm. know exactly what to do, you know? Yep. Absolutely. It is and do you important. teach them? If someone says they don't want to commit suicide or something. You need to know what to mm-hmm. do. Because um, all those things happen on a college campus. Absolutely. Or a student starts isolating in their room and they don't come out for a couple of days and they look we depressed. Have to notice I mean, those how things. to approach yeah. them. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. How, how long is your that. training? Uh, geez, we, we do uh, a little bit more than a week. Um, wow. And then I kind of came down a little bit when initially we were doing almost two weeks. So, um, you know, we do take that pretty serious. You know, it's from fire safety all the way to, you know, we bring in the counselors, we bring police in, <clears throat> want them to be well-rounded in their job and uh, know everything and know everybody as far as resources. Yeah. And also, one of the key things to to know is when to say, you know what, I don't know, but I'll find out and I'll get back to you. That is an important phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Say, they'll just say whatever they think and it's not true, you know. Mm-hmm. My people are, yeah. are very good at saying, you know, I don't know that. That's a good question, but I'll get right back to you. I promise. Yeah. And then yeah, teaching that's, them that's, to be accountable yeah. to make sure you get back to that person. Oh, yeah. Oh, you have that's to do that. That's an important piece. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, you touched on something when we were at the last break, and I want to bring this up because this is, mm-hmm. I think, one of the outcomes of what you've done there. You know, mm-hmm. usually on a college campus, tell me if you would agree with this. The freshmen are required to live on campus. The sophomores usually do because it's easier. But once they get to their junior, senior year, they want their freedom. They want to be out of there and doing their own thing. But it sounds like one of the issues that you're having now with your housing crunch is because I think I Mm -hmm. I see the students seeing the residence halls as being such a safe and fun Mm -hmm. and great environment that Mm -hmm. you have more juniors and seniors that still want to be on campus. Yeah, everyone wants to stay, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's probably a direct result of that. Um, Yeah. Many of them, you know, they love their RAs. They don't want to live anywhere else, and Mm -hmm. um, which causes everybody to want to be in the same place. So, yeah, Yeah. you're exactly right. So there's the testament to your work. One of the reasons (laughs) why things are so hectic for you today is because you've done such a good job. I don't know, so I need to blame myself for this. I understand. Yeah. See, there you go. Look in the mirror and say, what <laughs> were you thinking? <laughs> sure enough. I got to have a talk with myself later. <laughs> there you go. But what a great problem to have. Yes. You know? It is. And, you know, and in this day and time, yeah, it's a good problem. Yeah. So let me just ask you this. Are you mm-hmm. kind of thinking in your future that maybe there's a VP, dean kind of thing, or do you like residence life? Of course, I love what I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, but I've had people say, hey, you need to be a VP now, you know. As um, mm-hmm. long as I can affect students and still feel that I'm, um, and I'm doing that, then mm-hmm. I'm all for becoming a, a VP or a dean. Um, yeah, that is my next natural step. We'll nice. see how it goes. Until then, I'm going to yeah. keep doing the job that I'm doing and make sure that the next person that's in my seat um, knows how things go here and want to keep wants to keep it going and um, mm-hmm. actually elevate what I do. You know, that's that's something that's important too is I hire good people, they come with good ideas. Mm-hmm. And you can't, Great. you got to be humble enough 
to say, hey, we're going to take that idea and we're going to run with that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not so egotistical to think that, hey, you know, I, I changed this and I'm not going to change anything else about it. You know, that, that would mm-hmm. be foolish. Um, Absolutely. So I'm, I hire good people. You know, I always say that, um, you know, they don't need to know everything about Delaware State University right away. I just have to hire good people and then I can teach them the skills necessary for here. Mm-hmm. And I've always hired Yeah, they just need the raw thing. goods. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I got to tell you, I've been around higher ed now for about 26 years. And I've worked with a lot of campuses and a lot of people. And I just have to tell you that I think you would make an awesome VP of Student Affairs. Hey, well, I appreciate that, Randy. You got a job for me? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Not at the moment, no. <laughs> but maybe I'll yeah. bring you on as my co-host sometime. We'll interview someone else, and you can come on as my co-host. There you go. That would be fun. There you go. Yeah. I'd do that. So you never know. And you know what? <laughs> I'm sure you found this, too. You never know how you're going to circle back with someone and where right. they're going to be able to be of service and help mm-hmm. out. So you never know. Sure enough. You know, this this right. is a crazy life, and uh, things amaze me every day, you know, the, the you didn't know what was going to happen in life, but it always comes around full circle. You know? Mm-hmm. And what you think you want when you get there, it's like, eh, I don't think. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like NFL. I'm sure once you got to the NFL, you saw uh-huh. what it was really like. And it's like, oh, right. man. What, you like, know what? Oh, Let okay, me just ask. We have a couple over. minutes here. What was that like for you when you, I mean, mm-hmm. did you play on Sunday? Yeah. I um, um, When I was finished at the University of Tulsa, um, like I, I was joking with you, saying I had a cup of coffee at NFL. You know, I was on a what they call a uh, practice squad mm-hmm. um, for the uh, Arizona Cardinals and uh, Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs. But nice. um, tell you the truth, I thought I was done after I played my last play at University of Tulsa. So um, my body was kind of broke down, and but you know, people say, "Hey, you got to go for it at least," and, and I'm glad I did because you know you don't want to have any regrets in life. But um, yep. it kind of pushed me in the direction of higher education, uh, whether they knew it or not. And yeah. uh, football's been very good to me. I got, the, you know, I had full scholarship at Tulsa and ended up uh, <clears throat> getting a free scholarship or a free uh, diploma at um, Arkansas Tech University. I got my master's degree. So mm-hmm. I can say that I didn't, I've never paid a bill when it comes to college. So wow. that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Well, but in one way, but you definitely paid your dues. I mean, yeah. student-athlete is not easy at all. It is not free. You're exactly no. right. It no, is no, not that's free. like two full-time jobs. Sure enough, I had one, when I played my last game in the fall, I had one semester where I wasn't on, you know, I didn't have to play. And I didn't know what to do with myself because football <laughs> regimented me so much that I was like, you know, I don't, I don't have to actually get up this morning, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, no two-a-days. Right. Wow. Well, Philip, I have to tell you, it was so great having you here. I really enjoyed our time together. I hope that our listeners have been inspired about you know what accountability is all about and how difficult it is to make the change. But once you do yes. it, the gifts are, they just keep coming. They just they keep do. coming. Yeah. They so, do. Philip, I, I'm, I'm, I hope me. we keep in touch. You're you're yeah, a good guy and you're doing great work and you know keep up the good work and good luck with this housing crunch you're in the middle of right now. Hey, it's just another obstacle we're going to get past it. 
Yes, you will. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back after this break. And again, thank you, Philip, for your time. And uh, we will definitely have you back sometime. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we will be right back on Rise Radio. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one, be it a friend or family member. There are all kinds of questions and emotional pain that we go through, but you can move on. Listen for From Morning to Morning with Rabbi Mel Glazer. It doesn't matter what faith you are or if you even have no faith. You are sure to find meaning in Rabbi Mel's words and personal experience, as well as that of his guests. From Morning to Morning airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. Welcome back. This is Randy Havison with Rise Radio. And thanks for tuning in today. Uh, I am just so impressed with Philip and what he's doing on his campus. And he is a great role model and example of, of student affairs professionals. You know, I, I feel very grateful that I get to have this opportunity to bring people on here that I, I respect so much and love their work, like Doug on week one and, and Philip, and I'll be bringing on more uh, in the weeks to come. But you know, I was sitting here, I, I had this plan for this last segment, and then I realized that every time I bring a guest on, I, I talk about what's your journey that got you here. And that's something that I want to continue to do because you know these people who are doing such great things, it doesn't always start out that way. There's usually a struggle or something that happens along the way. And I realized I haven't really told you about mine and how I got here. I mean, how did I go from 
you know, growing up in L.A., uh, turning, making some really bad decisions, turning to alcohol and drugs, and I have that typical story that turned into a recovery story, and I reached out for help. You know, how did I get from there to hosting a radio talk show? I mean, if you would have told me back then that this was part of my future, I would have asked you what you were on. So this isn't real. This wasn't really part of my plan. So here's my journey. Uh, I got sober back in May of 1984, and I had no idea what I was going to do. I mean, I had been kicked out of college. I was fired from my job delivering pizza. I mean, I, I really had no clue. And I started going to 12-step meetings and finding a therapist who really understood addiction. And I slowly, I started putting my life back together. And all of a sudden, I had 30 days and 60 days and 90 days. And I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? And I realized that my education was important, and I went back and I made an appointment to see the uh, the vice president of uh, or the dean of the College of Sciences at San Diego State. And I said, I went and made an appointment, and I said, you know, I, I really want to come back to school. Uh, the reason you kicked me out is because I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic, and I'm clean now. Here's my 60-day chip, and I really want another chance. And she said, you know, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to give you one more chance. Don't blow it. And I didn't. And I ended up getting my bachelor's and I went on to get my master's degree. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because I'd been thrown out. And now all of a sudden I have a master's. So I'm one of those examples that don't ever sell yourself short because anything is possible if you just stay out of your own way. And I started working, I, I wanted to work as a counselor because my counselor, my therapist, when I got sober, Charlie, was so instrumental in the beginning days that I wanted to do that for other people. So my master's degree is in counseling. And I started working as a counselor. I worked in treatment centers. Uh, I worked in an adolescent unit. Then I worked in a psychiatric unit. I realized very quickly that was not for me. Then I ended up in San Diego at, at a very uh, prominent substance abuse treatment center, and I was one of the program techs at, at, the, uh, at the center working on the adolescent unit. But I also worked adult unit and outpatient, and I had a lot of experiences doing a lot of things. And I thought, wow, I want to do this and work in a treatment center forever. This is awesome. I love this. But one of the other things that started to happen is Charlie – actually, no, my mom was the one who said, hey, I have a friend who's the vice principal at a high school, and they're putting together this Just Say No to Drugs program. Would you want to go and speak to the students? And I thought, yeah, that would be fun. So I'd never done a public presentation before. In fact, I got a C in public speaking in college. But you know, I thought it will be the same as sharing at a meeting, so why not get up and, and talk to a bunch of high school students? So my first presentation was to 1,000 high school students, and I was scared to death. I remember looking out and my first thought was, I have no idea what to say. And I just opened my mouth and it started coming out and I did this presentation and I loved it. And I got a standing ovation from those students and that just changed my life. So I realized I wanted to do more of that. So I started going to other schools and saying, hey, can I come speak to your students? And then Charlie introduced me to a woman who was working at University of San Diego, and she said, can you come speak to our students? And I thought, yeah, I'll go talk on college campuses. That would be fun. And I spoke at USD, and I loved it, and I created a relationship with the coordinator of alcohol and other drug education there. And a few weeks later, I got a call from her. She said, Randy, I'm at a conference up here in Northern California, and there's a college up here, and they're looking for someone to be the coordinator of alcohol and other drug education on their campus. Are you interested? 
And I didn't know what to say. I thought, well, they used to throw me out of colleges. I'd go work at one? And I said, sure, okay, yeah, give them my name. So she gave them my name. They called me, and I interviewed on the phone, and then they flew me up there. And I was hired as the coordinator of alcohol and other drug education at a small private university in Central California. And it was awesome. And I was doing the peer education program and working with Greeks and athletes and first-year students and residence life. And I loved it, but I had no idea what I was doing. I was terrified. And after one year, the uh, the university decided it was a grant-funded program. The grant ran out, and they decided not to fund the program. So I started looking for other jobs. And, and here's part of the journey. I, I couldn't find another job right away. I actually had to move home, live with my mom and dad, go on unemployment. And I was so humiliated thinking, wow. How did I get to this place? I mean, I worked so hard to get here, and I found this new career, and I can't find another job in California. How did I get here? And then all of a sudden, it occurred to me, maybe I'm not supposed to be in California. So I looked for jobs in other parts of the country, and within a couple of weeks, I found the job at James Madison University as the coordinator of alcohol and other drug education, and I applied for the position, and they hired me. And I moved to Virginia. California boy went to Virginia. And that was a culture shock. But I had such a great time. And I kind of had a better idea of what I was doing. Not great, but pretty good. And I started doing the peer education program. And I was working with 11 different athletic teams. And I was sitting on the bench and working with the football players and having so much fun in the women's basketball team. And I was doing empowerment work and self-esteem and leadership development, as well as just the drug and alcohol work. And I really enjoyed it and was having such a good time at JMU. And then we had the blizzard of the century back in, oh, what year was that? 96, I think it was. And California boy said, that's enough of shoveling snow. I got to find something different. And I started looking for jobs, Florida, Georgia, other places. And I ended up finding a small school in South Georgia uh, that just got a, a grant from the Department of Education to put together a comprehensive program. And I applied and I got that job. And I became the coordinator of alcohol and other drug education at Valdosta State University and created, got to start from scratch and created a program that was so amazing. Uh, but it looks like we're running out of time here. I'm not going to be able to finish this. I will tell you at Valdosta State, uh, I started with absolutely nothing and, and built a peer education program that had 38 students, revamped the alcohol policy, did a lot of community service and high schools and, and a lot of different things. And I found my niche and I thought that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. But this is a story that will be continued next week because uh, I was just informed that we're down to the last few seconds of this show. And I want to thank you for tuning in again here to Rise Radio. I'll finish this story later. But next week, it looks like we're going to have John Clapp, the director of the Higher Education Center, on our show. And I am so thrilled to have him on. And uh, we'll probably use the whole hour for him and might have to share the story, the rest of the story another time. But thank you so much for tuning in to Rise Radio. If you have any questions, comments, go to riseradioshow.com. And I appreciate you listening. This means more to me than you know, and I'm honored and humbled to be here. And thank you for your time. And until next week, have a good one. Thank 
you for tuning in to Rise Radio. Please join your host, Randy Havison, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until our next show, have a great week.